Chapter Eleven of A Little Country Girl by Susan Coolidge. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Lynn Thompson. Five and one make six. A long hush followed these few words of explanation. Gertrude was too stunned to ask further questions. Mechanically, she moved toward her room and took off her hat and coat. But all the time she was washing her hands and smoothing her hair her ears were strained for sounds from George's room which was next to her own There was very little to be heard only a low continuous murmur of conversation Broken now and then by a louder word But all so subdued that Candace sitting on the staircase seat caught nothing Marion rushing up after her mother had been stopped by the explanation that Georgie was not well and wanted to be alone with mamma After a little natural outburst of impatience She too seemed to catch the vague sense of crisis that was in the air and settled down quietly with her head on Candace's knee to wait It was a long waiting The red sunset sky faded into pallor and the stars came out Gertrude restless with suspense joined the other two both she and Candace were too nervous for ordinary talk and Marion's presence precluded any mention of the subject with which their thoughts were full So the trio sat mostly in silence Frederick was heard to pass down the upper entry and announce dinner But mrs. Gray only answered by the word presently and did not open the door the shadows grew darker as the dusk deepened till after a while the gas in the hall was lighted when they fled to the remoter corners and consoled themselves by casting an added blackness wherever they were permitted to fall the only consolation possible to shadows to the anxious watchers on the window bench the time seemed very long and in fact it was nearly eight o'clock before george's door was heard to open and mrs gray to pass across the hall to her own room she only stayed there a few minutes the girls sprang up to receive her as she came downstairs and the older ones looked anxiously in her face She was tired and paler than usual and her eyes showed that she had been crying But her smile was brave and clear and she put her arm round Candace and gave her a long kiss You must be half starved my dears she said Georgie has a bad headache and I have sent her to bed She won't come down again tonight we will have dinner at once They went to dinner accordingly Marion held fast to her mother's hand But mrs. Gray kept the other arm round Candace and there was a warmth and tenderness in the touch which thrilled through Cannie's heart She felt without asking why that cousin Kate loved her more than usual that night and it made her happy Jane had been deeply aggrieved at the long delay of the dinner but she was a woman of resources as well as principle and as a member in good and regular standing of the Second Baptist Church knew that forgiveness of injuries was a branch of Christian duty She reminded herself besides that mrs. Wasn't often that inconsiderate and most probably there was reasons this time Which made it easier to overlook her offense? So she kept some things back and took some things off and managed to send in the food in eatable condition Instead of letting it calcine into cinders as a less conscientious and capable cook would have done Marion went to bed, but still mrs. Gray said not a word about Georgie and her confession 
she looked weary and preoccupied and gertrude fancied but perhaps it was only a fancy that there was a shade of coldness in her mother's manner towards herself they were all glad when the time came to separate but before she slept that night mrs gray sent a telegram to her husband mr gray appeared next day on the earliest possible train there was a long consultation in the library in which georgie took a part she came out with her eyes red with crying but somehow looked relieved too and with a peaceful look in her face which had been absent from it of late candace passing her on the stairs averted her eyes shyly and was altogether astonished at being caught in a tight embrace and kissed several times it's all right georgie whispered papa has been oh so kind and mamma is like an angel to me you were just right and i never can thank you enough you dear oh how glad i am cried cannie clasping her hands together in sudden relief georgie said no more she gave cannie another kiss and hurried away what steps mr gray took to get rid of alexander the girls never knew but whatever they may have been they were effectual he disappeared from newport the very next day and neither berry joy nor georgie ever saw or heard of him again it is only on women and girls and men who are as weak and uninstructed as women that rascals of this low stamp venture to practice their arts the moment a man of boldness and resource appears on the scene one who knows the laws and is not afraid to invoke their protection blackmailers quail and vanish such an affair cannot however be made straight without a good deal of suffering to all concerned georgie was forgiven she was saved from the consequences of her own folly and imprudence but she would not forgive herself nor could she forget the deep pain and mortification she had given to the parents she loved or ignore the fact that she had forfeited something of their good opinion and that it would take her a long time to regain it gertrude too had her share to endure she had a strong sense of honor and a high opinion of her own powers yet in this first real test of her life she had failed miserably and not only given georgie no assistance but had helped to confirm her in her error berenice joy received her portion of punishment in the shape of an interview which she found most disagreeable with mr gray at her urgent entreaty he gave up his intention of telling the story to her mother but she felt that she was disgraced in his eyes and in those of mrs gray and though she cried and looked very pretty and was properly grateful and distressed and assured mr gray that she should never forget how good he had been to her and that he couldn't imagine how much she and georgie had suffered just for a moment of thoughtlessness she was aware all the time that her tears and her gratitude made no impression and that he did not believe in her she was sure that all intimacy between herself and georgie would be discouraged thenceforward and this was a real punishment for berry counted a good deal on the greys and had built some social hopes on her position as their friend her forebodings proved true her little gush of thankfulness and penitence did not touch mr gray's heart in the least he saw that berry was a dangerous friend for his soft-hearted easily influenced georgie and told his wife that he decidedly objected to the girls having anything more to do with her mrs gray agreed with him in opinion 
and though there was no open rupture between the families berry found herself after that placed on the footing of an ordinary acquaintance and was never able to regain her old position with any of the gray family but before this conversation took place it was finally settled that candace was to stay always and be cousin kate's fourth daughter and a sister to her three cousins parents sisters home this was a rich endowment indeed for a lonely orphaned girl to fall heir to but cannie had earned her good fortune and every member of the family had learned to value and to wish to keep her it was mrs gray who broke the happy news to her shall you like it will you be content to stay with us always she asked why cousin kate what a question how could i help liking it i never knew what happy meant till i came to you answered cannie flushed with emotion and pleasure it's only that it seems too good to be true why only yesterday i was counting the days till the fifteenth of october because you know you are going back to town then and i thought you would send me back to aunt myra and i said i shall only be happy for twenty-four days more perhaps only twenty-three for you see i didn't feel sure that you could keep me till the very last day and now there is going to be no end to the happy times i can't see what makes you so good to me cousin kate i think we can understand that better than you can her cousin replied we need you cannie as much as you need us the benefit will be mutual need me when you have cousin court and the girls cousin court and the girls need you too don't we georgie come in and help me explain to candace that all of us want her and all of us are glad to have her stay indeed we do cannie i can't talk about it for it's like a bad dream from which i have waked up and i don't like to recall it but i never shall forget how good you were to me that horrible day it was you who persuaded me to go to mamma i never should have done if you hadn't somehow swept me up and made me and oh if i hadn't how could i be afraid of you dear darling mamma she was just what you said she would be cannie she knew just what to do she understood in a moment she was so kind i feel as if trinity church had been rolled off my mind it was all your doing and i never can forget it georgie is right said mrs gray don't look so bewildered dear you did her a real service in persuading her to be brave and frank i don't know why it is so hard for children to trust their parents it is the parents fault somehow no doubt oh mother no it was only that i dreaded to have you think ill of me not quite said mrs gray shaking her head i must blame myself a little i must have made some mistake with you all when even gertrude could not believe that i would not be harsh and unforgiving but we have had our lesson georgie and we will not do so badly again especially as there will be this dear little new sister of yours to help us to keep straight we need not talk any more about it but cannie we all feel that to have you with us will be good for us all there is nothing in the world so rare and so precious as clear truth and the courage to hold fast by it and we have proved that you possess both and don't you think that it will be good for me said cannie her eyes shining with grateful tears yes we can help you too it is one of the good things in this world that help is almost always on both sides marian 
as that small person passed the door. What do you think of having Cannie permanently for a sister? Really? Will she stay? Oh, how perfectly daisy! And Marian threw her arms round Candace's neck and gave her a squeeze which left no doubt as to her approval of the plan. Only one cloud now remained on Candace's horizon of happiness. Mrs. Gray had become like a very mother to her. Her bright, perpetual, all-understanding tenderness was like daily food to Candace's hungering heart. Mr. Gray had taken her into the highest favour. He had always liked Cannie and been kind to her, but now he petted her almost as much as he petted Marian. He scarcely ever came back from New York without bringing her some little gift, a book, a trinket, a box of bonbons, as a proof that she had been in his thoughts. The latest and prettiest of these was on her finger now, a pearl ring with the word truth engraved inside its golden circlet. Georgie and Marian had welcomed her heartedly, but Gertrude... Gertrude had said nothing. She was always cordial now, and a sort of added respect and liking had appeared in her manner since the Alexander episode. But about the new arrangement which made Candice one of the family, she had not spoken a word. Till she did, till she was sure that Gertrude too was content to have her stay, Cannie's happiness could not be complete. The 14th of October at length arrived. It was the last day of their Newport season, but Candice no longer dreaded the break-up. It did not mean separation and loneliness now, only the change to a new and different scene, which might be as delightful in its way as the summer had been. Yet Newport was still in full beauty, and it seemed a pity to leave it. No frosts had fallen to dim the glory of the flowers. The honeysuckles were still starred with their white, gold-anthered blossoms. The geranium beds looked as gay, the foliage plants as superb as ever, while the green of the grass was as fresh as in July. Here and there a little drift of yellow leaves lay under the trees, but it was the only sign of autumn. Georgie gathered a great basketful of nasturtiums, heliotrope, and mignonette to carry down to Miss Gisborne, and Marian was sent off in the village cart with a similar basket for Mrs. Fruin. The house was all in a confusion of packing. Frederick was wrapping tissue paper round the picture frames, Elizabeth counting linen and silver, the gardeners emptying the balcony boxes. Mrs. Gray proposed that Gertrude and Candice should go for a last walk on the cliffs, and so be out of the way of these discomforts. "'There is nothing for you to do,' she said. "'Only don't stay too late and come in before it grows dark. "'We are to have a thick tea at half-past six, in place of a regular dinner. "'I thought it would be less trouble on this busy day.' It was to Pulpit Rock that the two cousins bent their way. The cliffs were even lonelier now than they had been when Candice first visited them. There were no bathers in the surf, no carriages were drawn up on the higher part of the beach, and the road leading around Easton's Point showed only a few scattered figures and one solitary horseman on its entire length. Here and there, along the windings of the cliff walk, a single walker appeared, dark against the brightness of the sky, or two girls were seen pacing the smooth gravel with fluttering dresses and hair blown by the soft October wind. The sea was as beautiful in colour as ever, but it had changed with the change of the season. The blue seemed more rarefied, 
the opalescent tints more intense deep purple reflections lay in the shadows made by the rocky points and there was a bright clearness of atmosphere quite unlike the dreamlike mistiness of the summer the cousins sat side by side on the big rock just where they had sat on that june day which seemed to candace so long ago gertrude was no longer critical or scornful she sat a little farther back than candace and from time to time glanced at her side face with a sort of puzzled expression Cannie happening to turn caught the look it embarrassed her a little and to hide the embarrassment she began to talk Did you know that cousin Kate is going to let me live with you always she asked? Yes, mamma told me Isn't she good went on Candace impulsively? I can hardly believe yet that it is true What makes you all so very very kind to me? I can't think I haven't been particularly kind said Gertrude suddenly Candace I might as well say it at once for it's been a good deal on my mind lately I wish you would forget how nasty I was when you first came to us Were you nasty said Candace trying to speak lightly, but with a flush creeping into her face Yes, I was very nasty I didn't care to have you come in the first place and I thought you seemed awkward and countrified and I didn't like your clothes and I was afraid the girls here would laugh at you It was a mean sort of feeling and the worst thing is that I didn't see that it was mean I was ashamed of you, but now I am ashamed dreadfully ashamed of myself I felt so much wiser and more knowing than you then and yet when Georgie my own sister got into this dreadful trouble and came to me for help I had none to give her I was as much a coward as she was I gave her bad advice and it was you whom I laughed at and was unkind to who saw what she ought to do and was brave and really helped when I think of it all I feel as if I couldn't forgive myself why Gertrude dear don't cried Cannie for Gertrude was almost crying I don't wonder you didn't care for me at first I was dreadfully awkward and stupid and you never were nasty to me don't say such things but with a shy longing to remove beyond question the doubt which had troubled her you do like me now you are not sorry that I am to stay and live with you sorry no I am very very glad you are the best girl I know it will do me heaps of good to have you in the house oh how delightful cried Cannie now I haven't a thing to wish for it is all nonsense about my doing you good but I am so glad you want me to stay the two girls nestled closer and kissed each other with a new sense of friendship and liking the west wind blew past making little quick eddies on the surface of the water the gulls flew lower their white wings flashing close to the flashing surf sails far out at sea gleamed golden in the level rays of the sunset a yellow light enveloped the farther point I shall always love this rock said Candace Gertrude began the downward climb but Candace paused a moment in the summit and turned for a last look at the water every glittering foam cap Every glinting sail seemed to her to wave a signal of glad sympathy and congratulation Goodbye she softly whispered, but I shall come back you belong to me now She kissed her hand to the far blue horizon Then with a smile on her face she turned 
and followed Gertrude down the steep rock face, a happy girl. End of chapter 11 End of A Little Country Girl by Susan Coolidge